0: week. So Annie is a musical inspired by Little Orphan Annie, the comic strip, with lyrics by Martin Charnin, music by Charles Strauss, and book by Tom Meehan. Thank God I heard someone say his name out loud because I would have said Meehan. Mm. it's a story of a tough, optimistic orphan who is stuck in a sweatshop orphanage run by evil Miss Hannigan. Sometimes she escapes from the orphanage for a day and wanders around Great Depression-era New York. (laughs) She's chosen by the Secretary of Billionaire Oliver Warbucks to spend a week at Christmas in his mansion as a publicity stunt. But he ends up becoming paternally attached to her and wants to adopt her. But she wants to find her original parents. Wacky kid. And he starts a national search for them, offering $50,000 for them to come claim their child. Which really, really seems like a bad idea, being like, remember when you didn't want to be a parent? I'll give you some money. I, I don't know. Miss Hannigan's evil brother, Rooster, and Lily St. Regis, named after the hotel, she says, pose as Annie's parents in an attempt to steal the money, and they come in as Mr. and Mrs. Mudge, which is great. That's how you know that they're bad people. But they're found out, and Annie stays with Daddy Warbucks forever after. So, what's the backstory of this? Well, it actually goes back before Little Orphan Annie, the comic strip, to Little Orphan with a T... Oh. Annie, a poem by James Whitcomb Riley from 1885, and I read this poem, so you don't have to. <laughs> it's terrible. First of all, there's no tea in orphan. Are there
1: any ants in
0: it? No <laughs> ants. It's all goblins. It's all about how oh. the goblins are going to get you. How little <laughs> orphan Annie used to come over and like clean for us, and then she'd talk about goblins. And I think one time she was eaten by one. It's it's a little fucked up, as oh, wow. so many poems from back then are. <laughs> um, I prefer. Do I know any poems? I don't know I poems. Was,
1: Poetry sucks. Like the cats sucks. one. The cats one.
0: Oh, yeah. Skimbleshanks <laughs> and Jelly Lorum. Oh, Kevin. Kevin's shaking <laughs> Kevin his head. Um, so then Harold Gray created a Little Orphan Annie comic strip completely unrelated to the poem, actually. Just like that mm-hmm. title, thought, I'll. Make the words spelled correctly <laughs> and turn it into a comic strip in 1924. So Gray's parents both died before he had finished school. So he was independent and entirely self-made, which were qualities he imbued into Annie, mm-hmm. the way he wrote her. It was very popular in the 30s. There were two movies made about Little Orphan Annie off the comic strip. And in the 30s, Annie is a staunch Pro-business conservative, who is anti-labor union, anti-income tax, oh, and anti-New Deal. Oh which God. is weird <laughs> because the musical's all about the New Deal. Um, in World War II, she's a spy on missions. And she foils U-boats. Mm. Yeah. Little and Annie's adventures were m- much more than just, I got in the laundry and now I found a dog. Yeah,
1: she just we just see, like, we've kind of had a, a sequel to this. I feel like we got, like, the uninteresting part when she was a kid.
0: You do know that there were two Annie sequels and a parody sequel called Annie 3.
1: Yeah, I knew that. I was leading you into that. Oh, thanks. It's alley-ooping.
0: Okay. Yes, and. um, (laughs) And in the Cold War, she she, um, hunted commies. I said haunted, but that's the other one with the goblins. This one hunted (laughs) commies. But after he died, um, I don't know... I didn't know what they wrote about after that, but they kept writing it until 2010. Oh, no. Yeah, Little Orphan Annie, the comic, kind of like just concluded. Oh. Um, wow. And also what's what's really interesting about her is that she has no eyes. You've seen the way that she was drawn without <laughs> yeah. eyes, right?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, There's a rumor I, that Rachel Dratch used to play Little Orphan Annie back when she was at Second City and, and come out with no eyes.
1: <laughs> it must have been very
0: funny. <laughs> Rachel Dratch is a very funny lady Rachel Dratch send us some video of that I couldn't find any um all right so cut to 1972 as I like to do just like all the time yeah I like that edit Martin Charnin the lyricist got the idea to do Annie as a musical and he gets the rights and keeps renewing them and stuff he becomes the lyricist he gets Thomas Meehan to do the book and Charles Strauss to do the music Charles Strauss of course we know from uh bring back birdie and nightingale um Mian said the musical might best be described as having been suggested by Little Orphan Annie. The story as I constructed it is the story of a child's odyssey-like quest for her missing mother and father. Which is so true, it doesn't sound anything like the spy,
1: Little Orphan Annie,
0: or the goblins. They couldn't get anyone to produce it, so they went to the Goodspeed Opera House, which wasn't a thing yet. It wasn't Mm. on the map yet back then. Annie is what put it on the map. And he made it what it is now, like how hair and the chorus line made the public rich forever. So, um, they had a lot of trouble when they were out of town at Goodspeed. Opening night, there was a huge storm, which knocked out the lights, and they did act two with flashlights. (gasps) What? Which is
1: which I feel like is like a new device that directors do now, like that lighting with like cell phone lights or flashlights. Who's doing that? I've seen that. I've seen. that. Is that like that be that more device. chill or something? That's gotta be. I don't know.
0: A Use more thing. light. <laughs> um, and here's one of the reviews. Uh, the review says. From the start, it is clear that this Annie is really Oliver in drag, lost in depression America. But Oliver truly towers over this American stepchild in the writing of its characters, in its songs, in its dances, and in its settings. In Annie, almost nothing works. The show is a disaster. Oh, no. That's not what I would aim for review-wise. I would So they, they felt they had some work to do at Oof. that point. So they recast Annie. Uh... They recast Miss Hannigan with Dorothy Aladdin, amazing. That got new sets, new costumes, new choreographer, and they added a lot of songs, including Little Girls and Easy Street. Oh, songs we can't imagine Annie not right, having. Right, right, right. So, although the show was only written in 14 months, it took them four years to get to Broadway due to lack of interest from producers. Wow. But you know what? The jokes on them because it ran for 2377. That is 2,300. <laughs> I forget how numbers work out loud. For 2,377, I wanted to say 2,377, <laughs> but that's not how you say that, um, performances, and it continues to be a big hit. In fact, it is estimated to be produced between 700 and 900 times a year.
1: Oh, wow. Yes. Wow.
0: Enough schools and theaters. Sure. And, <gasps> um, you know, regional kabuki collectives do productions of Annie. Um so let's talk about Annie. Annie in the musical is actually tough. She's often interchangeable with Pepper in casting. So Andrea McCardle, who originally played Annie, actually was Pepper. you know that I said they recast Annie at Goodspeed? They fired their Annie and then made the Pepper. Annie, Andrew McCardle. and mm-hmm. the girl who played Pepper in the movie was actually Annie on Broadway. Oh. So if you're used to the movie, Annie, which is very sweet, very neotenous, or which is probably also how she's played in a lot of productions from now on. Originally, Annie was very, very tough and mm-hmm. a little bit older than we're used to thinking of her. She's been played so much by like eight year olds sure. now, but this was like 13. Oh. Um, and so there's been a lot written about the girls playing Annie Andrew McCartney, Linda of course, Sarah Jessica Parker say SJP um, and that girl that was cheated out of the role in the 90s and it was on like 2020 or something what? oh yeah there okay, was. okay give
1: me that 2020 dish
0: <laughs> she was never gonna come down that staircase in that dress um, I hope she can laugh about it now. Because it was very, very sad, actually. They did a national search for, like, Macy's. Like, it was a whole big thing, and she got picked. And then she got bronchitis, and they were like, instead of just giving you some time to heal, we're going to replace you with someone oh, three years younger.
1: No. Fucked up. And you know
0: what? The public didn't like that, and that revival was a flop.
1: Wow. See, ageism <clears throat> happens to... Eleven-year-olds, too.
0: Seriously. Any younger, and she would have had an amniotic sack. But um, there are two other performers. Amniotic sack. There you go. Um, that's
1: the prequel. That's the...
0: <laughs> She's still got a mother in that one. Um, get that
1: backstory.
0: I want to talk about two performers that are in it that are not Annie's. I feel like Annie's been talked about enough. I want to talk about Dorothy Loudon. Let's do it. Who played Miss Hannigan. Do you know her? She's crazy. She's yes. insane. You need to... I was listening to a bootleg of Annie. It was just the audio of it from 1977. It was the last preview performance. During Little Girls, there are these long periods where the, piano, where the orchestra is just going... You know, it's just the vamp. Sure. And there is just laugh after laugh after laugh and like there's such art in being able to stretch out a moment and get people to laugh and entertain them you just burped at your armpit
1: <laughs> I, I burped and covered it with my shirt but yeah it went in the direction of my armpit it's true
0: i told you that's what this show is stop trying to <laughs> deny the people what they came here for um so we're vamping And just being able to to do that and to to keep the stage and not have it be cut by the director for like a whole minute, you're a real pro. And you need to watch her do Broadway Baby. There's a video of her doing Broadway Baby. It's... It looks like... You've seen those people on the street there screaming with paranoid thoughts about Obama and stuff?
1: You mean what Adolf Green must have looked like in 1937? Yes,
0: (laughs) but at the Tony Awards. She was fucking nuts in a a delicious, delicious way. And then I want to talk about Lori Beachman. Lori Beachman was the star to be. You know that where she goes, NYC just got here this morning. She has the most incredible belt. She belts... Like her face off when she goes in the Hooverville song, she goes, Who knew I could steal? It's 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 like whenever someone else is singing and she's in the chorus, I want everyone to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I just want to hear Lori Beachman. She's got this incredible voice. She was in Cats for a while. There's like good recordings of her doing Memory. Uh, unfortunately, she made the mistake of dying young, which I don't recommend. But she's uh, at one point during Tomorrow, she sounds just like Betty Buckley. She's singing the the harmony. She's like Tomorrow, while everyone else is going like Tomorrow then. And it just it becomes the melody, and it's all you can hear, you mm-hmm. know? Ever heard someone with a voice like that? Just pings through everything? Yes, of course. Lori Beachman.
1: That's why she has that theater on 42nd Street named after her. Oh, Beachman, yeah, that's
0: right. It. Yeah. She's a real legend, that and I honestly, like we, we've been cheated out of, out of more Lori Beachman. It, it was very sad that she died. Um, she's an incredible talent, and as far as I'm concerned, the best thing in Annie, or the original production. Um, the original production... And I read the original script. This is a really weirdly political show. It's... I can't figure out who the target audience was. Was it people who lived through the Depression? Was it people who were like adults already in the 30s? Because at one point, they do list the entire cabinet of Roosevelt. He's going like, Farley, Perkins, Ickes, Wallace, Morgenthau, Cummings, Roper, Swanson, Cordell Hull. That, it, it, am I, is that supposed to be, like, topical, funny... Yeah, ickies. <laughs> gross. Um, it, it, is that, like, if somebody came up to me and was like, Bob Dole, Janet Reno, <laughs> Warren Christopher, Alan Greenspan, and we were like, oh, I remember them! <laughs> yeah. I met Janet Reno. She was a real class act. wish hmm. she was running for governor of Florida. She should have won. But you know how it is in Florida. Voting's not... linear (laughs) yeah voting's more of an idea there um and also oliver warbucks made all his money off of bombs and military equipment he really is warbucks and he says at one point that he was ruthless to the people he had to step over on the way up but that's okay as long as you never come back down you'll never see them so Yeah. It's
1: tough. It's, it's another boss statement.
0: It is. In a way, it's kind of like, oh, all right. I <laughs> guess that's how you have to do it. That's the American way. Destroy other people. Find a way to make killing people, you know, a dollar and then encourage people to go to war. Um, that's what did we just see? Credible Rock. That's kind of what Credible Rock is about. Mm. You should see that. It's messed up. And then the whole thing about the New Deal and Roosevelt's in it, and and he says things like, Oh, Eleanor can wait, and we're all supposed to go, Eleanor Roosevelt? (laughs) Which, of course, I just saw The Prom, which has the whole thing about the Roosevelt's in it, which is very, very funny. But so it's this crazy weird political play, but it's also very beautiful and very sentimental. There's this reprise of maybe maybe the song which, you know, is heartbreaking to hear every time. There's a reprise of when she thinks she's going to have to leave Daddy Warbucks. I'll I'll show you later. That's it shows why this whole thing works. But must the orphans and all their singing be written so damn high.
1: Oh yeah, that's why it was when you were talking about, oh well let's have them be like eight year olds, just like why so we can have a next level shrill. Shrill like just the shrill.
0: Absolutely shrill. And if you look at the score, oh. they are they're telling them to belt E flat yeah, an and S. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. Uh,
0: I understand that they can hit those notes, but they shouldn't. I don't know how many, how many nodes have been created by um, Annie. How many voices have been turned into just blood in the throat because of this?
1: Yeah, that was a real churn and burn. They were like, uh...
0: I bet it was. I bet people really couldn't sing that for very possibly long.
1: possibly sing after that. I don't know. Uh,
0: you know, if you were ever in Annie, and it sounds like about 100,000 people were, um, let <laughs> us know if you can still talk. Yeah. Um... But the orchestration, even if even if all the keys are too high, the orchestration in this show is incredible. It was done by Phil Lang, and the original uh, album captures it perfectly. It's perfectly mixed, and you can really hear the nuance in it. And I also listened to the Australian and West End um, albums. They don't they don't get a good mix. You don't want to listen to that. But it shines even in that 1977 Broadway bootleg. So it's not just orchestrations that were created for the recording, but actually for on stage and they work really well. And there's some details they'll show later. And I'll love any show that has a banjo in it. It's got a banjo to hell in like half of it. It's wonderful. And there's also this interest interesting instrument called an RMI Roxacord that I believe is the, you know, and in like Hard Knock Live it's like chunk
1: chunk 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 chunk. Yeah, yes, yes.
0: That's a Roxachord by Rocky Mountain instruments. It's you you hear it in a few things like in Follies Uh, In the original follies and in um, Pacific overtures, it's it goes like this for a while. I mean, and people say sometimes not hummable. Uh, so the show is a huge hit people made a ton of money off it they still do and then the movie rights were bought for like nine million dollars but they lost all creative control at that point they were bought for like we're taking this and we're going to make a movie and you guys are hardly going to be involved anymore unless we tell you we need something from you um, the movie replaces The Overture, which is a wonderful Overture. The Overture is so good in this, with just them singing Tomorrow, which is so... Like, that's capitalism right there, isn't it? You know? Like, we're not even going to do something artistic and theatrical. We're just going to play this song the that song you came, that came that to you hear. hear. Yeah. And then you <laughs> can leave.
1: Start it. <laughs>
0: um, and I... But they... It's, it's, they do it along like an overture and they have the credits going on. And that sequence is what that woman is watching in Serial Mom when she gets her head chopped open. I'll always remember that.
1: What is Serial Mom?
0: Oh, Serial Mom is that, is that awesome movie by, um, you know, what's his name from Pecker and uh, Pink Flamingos and, um, you know. John Waters. Is oh. that awesome John Waters movie? It's the best one he ever did. It's got um, Kathleen Turner playing a mother who kills people. And at one point, no she,
1: cereal is involved. I honestly thought it was cereal. No, girl, so thinking, we're like, a Mom's, podcast. Moms giving you cereal. Oh, right, 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 right.
0: No serial killer, serial killer mm. mom. She's really into true crime. She's, she's honestly, she's she's a little ahead of her time. Um, and at one point, the, one of her victims is watching that sequence, and then. Ooh. it's very funny uh, but the rest of that thing is so badly orchestrated they added for some reason a harmonica all through it kevin and i were watching it and we're like are they trying this is supposed to be new york city it sounds like the wild west oh no really way off i know that things are brown and it's dusty and it's the depression <laughs> that doesn't mean we're in arizona and you need to have a harmonica going through the whole thing and the Hard Knock Life cleaning sequence is so good, the choreography for it. I grew up watching this movie. Oh, for
1: sure. Oh, a for lot. Sure. It like, it's a great movie. And you were eh. just
0: talking about how we want to play Shostakovich when your children are cleaning the house, right? <laughs> yes. We get that idea from this and from <laughs> Pippi fucking Longstocking with Scrubbing Day, who is another annoying redhead who thinks she can say whatever she wants whenever she wants, <laughs> that has a scrubbing on your knees song. Dogs on screen. This drives me nuts. The dog, like Sandy is always staring at the handler who's off stage, like a bad SNL performer that hasn't learned their lines and is reading the cue cards the whole time. Like, look at the performer in the eye. The dog's over here.
1: Or like the babies do that all the time, too. They'll be like, you're like, oh, you've got a baby. And it's, like, being okay. And it's just, like, staring at what is clearly its mother or its baby handler. Just to have us thinking, like, what are they doing to keep that baby from not crying? He's just dead staring at it. I always assumed
0: it was was just, like, a sack of flour and a blanket.
1: Right. When they actually show the baby, I'm telling you, it's, like, creepy. You know, you get that baby stare.
0: Um, that baby stare. Um... Seriously. But it, it's all worth it because Carol Burnett's in it uh, and she's killing it as Miss Hannigan. She's a she's, different kind of crazy. She's giving a master class in physical comedy, in acting like drunk without acting stereotypically drunk. Right, right. She doesn't slur her words like this. She's just very funny. She's always like grasping her head like she's got a hangover she's making bathtub gin and kevin was like is that how you really make bathtub gin and i was like no you don't just fill your bathtub with gin there's supposed to be a still you're supposed to be distilling things instead it's almost as if she's just holding it there like she bought it somewhere else filled it up and was like a hurricane's coming i gotta have a bathtub full of gin um and then there's also like some really fucked up things about it tim curry and Bernadette Peters are both right. in it, yeah. and they're amazing. Tim and Curry plays Rooster. At, so in the stage play, he's like, "I've got a." Um, they're like, "What are we gonna do with Annie after we uh, get the money?" And he was like, "No problem." And he gets a switchblade, and and then Miss Hannigan's like, "That's too far." At that point, Miss Hannigan's like, "Please don't just kill this child." Yeah. In like, this one, in this one, Annie starts crawling up a bridge. Do you remember? She's. She's going up a ladder on a bridge and Rooster's coming after her and Hannigan's like, don't kill her, don't kill her. She's like actually like becoming human for a moment, and Rooster, her brother, punches the fuck out of her until she falls down. Carol Burnett just falls flat down into a puddle, and oh. Rooster goes up to go murder the child.
1: Oh, no. I don't remember that. So, confession about kids' movies, I would always fast-forward through the scary parts, like Scar in Lion King. There the shouldn't be scary
0: parts one. in Annie! <laughs> yeah,
1: but, well, so I don't remember that part because...
0: Okay, well, I've just ruined it for you. That's where the goblins <laughs> came back, okay? <clears> okay. <throat> Um, but it does also have some really amazing things in it, like that that number. Let's go to the movies, you know, mm-hmm. that they added for that, and um, that Anne Ranking got another solo with "We Got Annie," you know, and they're dancing, and <laughs> yes. it's just, and that's the, the only lyric: "We Got Annie." <laughs> I don't know why I'm snapping. There, anytime I think someone's doing Fosse, they're snapping. Him ranking, though, so good in it. I was like, Kevin, look at this. This is a real fucking dancer. You know, she was Son, uh, not oh, Sondheim's uh, girlfriend. Fosse's. Fosse's girlfriend. Yeah. Um, is that Fosse-Verdon thing any good?
1: Uh, I might No still comment watch it. in case FX wants to pick this up. <laughs>
0: well, we don't shit on the living anyway.
1: I just don't get the tone. There's not a consistent tone to that show.
0: You know what? They say that about me, too. Um, And then this one is not such an integrated musical. There is one black performer in the movie of Annie, and he's playing Punjab, an Indian person. Ah, That's
1: tough. God, American musical theater.
0: It's Jeffrey Holder, and by the way, the Punjab character is not just something they created for the movie. That comes from the original comic strip, even though it's not in the play. And so is the Asp, who is the, um, the like just Asian. They do not say where he's from, but he is. Oof. But he does karate-like looking movements. Oh, that's tough. It's all very uh, unfortunate to look at now, um, but. It, at least he seems to be played by someone who is plausibly Asian. Jeffrey Holder is not plausibly Indian, but Jeffrey Holder is amazing. Jeffrey Holder is the original director of The Wiz, who mm-hmm. won a Tony for directing it and making the fucking costumes for it. He was it. the shit. And if you look up his career, he's just he did like a million amazing things. So, yeah, Jeffrey Holder. <laughs> um so I want to talk about also uh, another problem I have with the show. Between <laughs> the politics and all those other characters that come in, like the Hoovervilleites, you know, did you ever see you ever Yeah, see I saw production. Yeah. So you know they, that she goes and talks to like all these homeless people living under the 59th Street Bridge, which, come on, people, it is the, the Queensboro Bridge. Bridge. No. Okay. <laughs> Don't make me crawl up that after you, Annie. Um, between all the politics and meeting those people, it's really not much about Annie. And not as much as the movie is. The movie is about Annie and like every scene is about Annie. My sister pointed this out to me. And so we consider this a children's show, but originally it wasn't for children. It was evidently for the elderly that had just come out of the Great Depression. <laughs> so now my sister took my niece to it and she got bored because mm. she was waiting for like our Annie. Stuff. Yeah, where's yeah, the kid? Yeah, I kids? mean, I guess
1: in the day and age of like Matilda and should we have like really kids shows?
0: Yes, our kids are spoiled now. They can't <laughs> sit through. They just fast forward through the scary parts. <laughs>
1: Scary, Scar is very scary and Lion
0: So we think of Annie as a children's show, but it's not. It's actually quite grown up. And it wasn't just made for children. It was made to be a, a, an anybody musical. Can't just wait for the orphans to come back on stage. But now let's talk about the sequels for a minute. First, there was Annie 2, Miss Hannigan's Revenge. Which couldn't possibly sound more like a parody than anything <laughs> else. Uh, I read a review of it. Wasn't kind. <laughs> and they knew it and so charles strauss at the opening night party in where was it It was in dc i think they were doing it at the kennedy center Mm -hmm. read a review that came out at the opening night party and said this is all my fault i'm sorry everybody you're great performers we're gonna fix this we're gonna make the show great it was all the same people that wrote annie um who had also done like like charles strauss has had a lot of hits and he had hits after annie um so then they rewrote it, and, and instead they were said they were going to put on a revival. I forget if that's when the revival actually happened. But they came back later with Annie Warbucks. Which do you remember, Annie Warbucks? No. Annie Warbucks. I remember it from being in the Macy's Day Parade. You know they do Broadway stuff at the beginning. Of course. I remember seeing it there, and and just being like a sequel of a musical. Interesting, not knowing that that's happened a few times, and it never seems to work out. I mean, Annie Warbucks. Um, Phantom Two, Love Never Dies, uh, Bring Back Birdie, there, uh, Nonsense
1: Five. <laughs> <laughs> so many nuns.
0: There are so many nonsenses. I don't. I, it doesn't seem to be a, a thing. And so I watched a production of it, a high school production of it. It's it's really interesting. I don't want to say it's bad because it's not. It's not necessarily bad. It just feels um, unnecessary.
1: So what is it? Is it those like? She's all grown up, and this is she's a spy now, or whatever. Not
0: only is it all grown up, and she's a spy now. It literally begins with them singing the last song from the original one, mm-hmm. and then continues. Uh, and it's it's like they wrote an Act Three and Four that you don't that you don't need. The show's yeah. over. Oof. It- and so a woman comes in and says, well, like, I'm from the board of so-and-so, and I don't believe that that you could be her father or something like that. It's just like, it comes up with some some premise off the bat, like, while they're supposed to be having Christmas. Like, can you imagine? Poor Annie. First of all, she thinks she's going to, like, live with Daddy Warbucks, and then the mudges come and try to steal her and kill her and slit her throat. And then it, she's like, okay, great, well, we get to have Christmas. And then this woman comes in and goes, no, you don't get to have Christmas because, meh. Nah, it's... It's very sad. Let Annie, let Annie have a break. Mm-hmm. Let this kid have a fucking break, okay? So let's talk about the songs in this show. Let's do it. The Overture is amazing. It begins with that trumpet going, ba, 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 ba. It's, it's, that's bah, like a. Bah, 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 bah. Exactly. That's my
1: mouth trumpet.
0: <laughs> which is the motif that comes from Shasha Sha, 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 Sha <laughs> Um, it makes me cry every time I hear it. And it's got the hard knock life part in it, which, you know, you're just about to hear anyway. And it's got, you're never fully dressed without a smile, with a tacked piano, at least in the original Bra. You know what a tacked piano is? Mm-mm. It's that clinky-clanky sort of honky-tonky piano. Ooh. And you know how they get that? They You put tacks, like... In the hammers,
1: on your fingers, you put tacks <laughs> in your fingers.
0: Um, you're supposed to bleed uh, it, and so it's metal against metal because it's the metal of a of the tack against the metal of a string. They're so, just
1: hanging out in the strings, or how are they? No, like... they
0: put them onto the onto the felt hammers.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so the okay.
0: part that connects is is that. There's also another way to do it, which is to put down a sheet of tin in front of strings that that is like cut up into strips i think Mm. um anyway it's it's a really cool effect and really not often done it's got the hooverville song in it and it's super 20s and a lot of fun it really sets the scene and then it's got tomorrow and tutti and you listen to the recording the original recording the orchestra is loving playing tomorrow which means you really have to put yourself in a time where tomorrow was not a cliched song (laughs) Where, you like, where you'd never want to hear that song again, which is what it turned into. Sure. It's really cool to hear people enjoy playing something. And I like it when the original soundtrack to something includes the joy of the orchestra playing it. I feel like we don't get that very much anymore. I feel like people are a little over a lot of the stuff they play. So then it's got Maybe, which is the I Want song. Um, she's This is now singing. She's singing this song. And it's got those really, really clever lyrics. She's, she's dreaming of her parents... And her dreams of them are so heartbreakingly pedestrian, because that's all she knows. And it just shows how transformative normalcy would be for her if she had it. The things that we take for granted. Like, she's sitting playing piano, he's sitting paying a bill. Like, oh
1: my god. Heteronormative.
0: (laughs) That too. Well, look I don't <laughs> i I feel like if you really wanted to play the show up, there's something going on with Pepper that is definitely not heteronormative.
1: yes, that's our secret gay angle. oh
0: my goodness, oh my goodness um, and then her vision of what's fancy is so trashy and she's like betcha you they're young betcha you they're smart bet they collect things like ashtrays and art it's such a clever lyric it's so it like totally tells you everything you need to know about her like she knows nothing of the world but she still imagines the best for these people that have done a, a hard thing to her it's the i want song for the whole core of orphans or the corfin, corfin. as like corfin yeah <laughs> um uh with a t um orphan with a t it's like leslie with a z
1: um
0: <laughs> Uh, And so your heart just breaks from them. You wanna give them all those things and they're the things that we take for granted, but um, we should never forget that they probably smell terrible. Um, then it's Hard Knock Life, which is sampled by Jay-Z. It became very, very famous. And that's the one with the RMI. And I listened to a few productions of it. At one point, they didn't have one, somebody, and so they used an organ for it, which sounded really weird. Uh-huh. But now, most of the time, people just play with the piano, which is sad. Go, go out and find one of those Invest. very rare <laughs> musical instruments from the 70s that you're never going to use again, um, just so you get that authentic sound. Uh, and it sounds terrible with them screaming it and scrawling it. Why is it so high? Oh, it's so high. It's the hard knock, sound too high. Um, but, yeah, and they're complaining about all these things that are happening, about how, like, no one's there with their dreams and I get weepy. It's like enumeration of what's awful about being an orphan. But seriously, come on, have they ever tried to keep their marriage together when their husband is going through a Gilmore girls phase? No, they haven't. Perspective bitches, okay? Then there's We'd Like to Thank You, Herbert Hoover, which is honestly the best song in the show. It's my favorite song. It's got the best melody and it's got some cute lyrics like, In Every Pot, He Said a Chicken, but Herbert Hoover, He Forgot, Not Only Ain't We Got the Chicken, We Ain't Got THE POT! And then you got Laurie Beachman doing that there. She's so hot. Um, And then there's Little Girls, which I used to love performing this song in drag when I was in eighth grade. Um, (laughs) What, does that not tell you? I
1: want you in drag.
0: Playing Annie. <laughs> playing Annie. Yeah. Oh. Or
1: Oliver in drag. Play- oh yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: that <laughs> that's the real surprise. Um, it, the orchestration. I was I was kind of like deconstructing and paying attention to it. It's so interesting. It's the the bass line of it is played by this really low tuba. It's like so at one point it's like boom boom. It's really hot, and then in the second verse there's all this like. It's just
1: Patty LaPoning in a revival of. <laughs> Sweeney, who's Patty
0: LaPony? Is she? I
1: said Patty Laponing. Oh, <laughs> like okay.
0: Um, it's like sounds like crazy baloney. <laughs> um, and then the second verse, there's all this swelling brass quarter note stuff. It's like Mwah, wah, wah, wah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You hear that it's really cool. Someday I land in that house, and then there's I think I'm gonna like it here, where they're like so or bubbles and I'm like why can't you have both also doesn't one lead to the other you can't really separate the two it drives me nuts and then they're like Don Budge now he can be her tennis instructor does that make you laugh do you get that joke Caitlin no Don Budge is no because you were not living through the damn depression which is who the target audience for this show is
1: hey really specific jokes are great
0: Also, why
1: Tony Cognoscenti?
0: <laughs> Tony um, and why why does Drake bring the tray but Mrs. Pugh has to take it away? You're budge. Okay, it's kind of hot. Oh, I want
1: to see this sexy.
0: I mean, I just think all people in black and white are hot, but I mean, have you seen like? Oh yeah, Lincoln? no, that
1: he's making a fart face. Well, he's okay, he's, so he he's a working. tennis player.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, Instagram. Kevin's doing Instagram for us now. Um, only write nice things. Uh, also, honestly, Mrs. Pugh stinks. Uh, then there's Thank NYC, uh, which is really how we all feel about New York. It's the center of the universe, and I won't hear otherwise. And it's got this rhythmic figure that I discovered that's really interesting. in the, uh, again, amazing orchestrations of it. Let me play it for you a second. So... They go, no other town in the whole 48 can have compare with you. But the uh, orchestration underneath it goes, no other one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Right? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Which is different than everything which has been like, um and then it's like. And so he sets that up in measure... 70. And then in 105, when he does a similar um, thing, it's the, he does it at half the time of it. So it's, it's not what uh, the city's bright as a penny arcade. It, anyway, it's just clever. I can't, <laughs> I can't play and sing this crap at the same time, but um, good job, Phil Lang. Just want to call that out that I noticed the progression that you have of rhythm in the orchestrations there. Um, and then the star to be comes out who really is living the life. All of us little theater Queens want to be a living, um, but not all of them can do it well. And so I have a little video mm. that I'd like to share. Have you seen this video of the star to be compilation?
1: Oh God, this is great. I want
0: to get some of this on audio. Kevin, my computer died. Can you pull it up on yours?
1: We also got to get like Ashley Blanchett who was star to be in the revival. Oh, do you know? Her? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's Ashley? Yes, that's Ashley. Oh, no, your friend yeah, Ashley was the star to be? she it, and she was the best part of that show.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, we have to talk oh, to her.
1: Amazing. Why didn't yeah. you tell me that before? I told you that last week when we were discussing this. I was like, oh, and we should have Ashley sing it.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe I just didn't know what you were talking about because I had a <laughs> fever. That's the other thing that happened between here. I had a fever for 11 days.
1: Oh,
0: with it's the too many days in the summer?
1: <gasps> stomach
0: blue. You didn't know? I didn't
1: tell you. I mean, you told me that you had the flu. I didn't know it was of the stomach variety.
0: Yeah, I didn't know which kind it was going to be, but then it decided it was definitely the stomach <laughs> flu. I, see. I, got I got here this morning. So you all can... All you people out there in Bird Healy Radio Land can go figure out the rest. But it's very funny, and I hope all of those girls have not killed themselves and have a very good sense of humor about it because the internet thinks they're fantastic!
1: Oh, man.
0: So then Easy Street comes on, which is that stupid, fun, bad guy production number, which is really good in the movie. Uh, You know, Burnett Peters and and Tim Curry and, and Carol Burnett and Carol Burnett sticks her foot through the wall at one point. <laughs> and then they I saw that evidently it originally was all done outside. It was like a big production number in the streets. And there's still some footage of it I saw. Ooh. And they were like, mm, it makes more sense if it's inside. And they reshot the whole thing. But Carol Burnett had just had her chin surgery on. So if you pay attention, Carol Burnett has a different chin in that number than the rest surgeried of the show.
1: Surgeried on? What was going on? She
0: had a chin? You're not supposed to ask questions in (laughs) improv. I don't know. She had a chin and it needed work. They got rid of it. I don't know.
1: Okay, okay. Added a (laughs) dimple. She wanted
0: to look like uh, Luke Perry. Um, Then there's this song called Why Should I Change a Thing? That is never done. It is not on any of the albums. I have Mm -hmm. no idea when it was written. And I asked uh, someone I know that's played Daddy Warbucks five times. Uh, I was like, what about this song? And he goes, he's never been in a production where they did it. It's like the Our Little World is production. It, Our Little World from Into the Woods is sung more than this song is. It's, but it's a little bit interesting because musically it's based on maybe. But in, Whereas maybe is the I want song, this is the I don't want song. So it's got this which is uh, the same accompaniment as maybe maybe far yep. right. Yeah. But he goes, life's overflowing Why should I change a thing, love how it's going, got the world on a string? Why disturb the peace, why not let things be? Why risk getting close, close just isn't
1: sad
0: it's a little sad and i think that might be why nobody sings it why should you change a thing the show was fine without that song um then there's you're never fully dressed without a smile and i defy anyone to listen to that song and not actually smile it's so good it's and a then delight when, and then when the kids are singing it which by the way in the score all the verses for the orphans is a separate song called dressed children which just seems to me like, Ev- yes, that's how children on stage. Yes, keep them dressed. I've seen Lolita, my love. It's not good. We're not going back there.
1: What were the pit singers doing though? They were just a <laughs> bunch of undressed children singing in the wings.
0: I want to talk to a pit singer. If you've been a pit singer, tell us what the hell you were wearing down there in the pits when you were going ba 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 ba. <laughs> Um, then they sing tomorrow, which is like the, the memory of the show, the send in the clowns that I dreamed a dream. And I want to know at what moment did people fucking get sick of it? When did people say, if I go to one more recital, (laughs) one more, um, you know, talent night, talent contest at a high school and hear this song song, I will blow my brains out because that's where we got, I feel like it's even a little bit okay now, but the nineties,
1: Or like write to us if you are like a middle school choir director or something, or do like middle school theater. I mean, that has to happen all the time.
0: Singing tomorrow?
1: Ugh, yeah.
0: Write to us if you're a casting director and (laughs) you don't mind hearing tomorrow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I knew someone that was trying to convince people to do things like I Dreamed a Dream. They're like, it's a good number. You should audition with good numbers. Don't look for the second reprise of Lost in the Wilderness, you know? (laughs) Then there's this song, Something Was Missing, and the less said, the better. Um, Something Was Missing, and and then what's the other one? Why Should I Change the Thing? Yeah. You're, you're telling yourself not to write these songs <laughs> when you give them these titles, Martin. Um, then there's this song, Annie, Annie,
1: Annie.
0: But according to the score, it starts with this lyric, Gussie her up, gussie her up, gussie her up. Gussie her up. Uh, mm, <laughs> Gussie her up. Uh,
1: girl.
0: Juicy. Um, but I find it really annoying when they try to shoehorn in a song that's got the show title in it and something. Mm-hmm. I, I think Jerry, Jerry Herman said the same thing. He goes, he knew that he had really screwed up uh, Dear World when there was like a big Dear World production number of people coming down the stage. <laughs> Then there's I Don't Need Anything But You, which is so cute. I really love that one. We're going last. And Annie has turned this ruthless capitalist into a tap and show tune queen. And he's loving it. He's living his best life as this little gunkle of a little girl. <laughs> then then there's this song that I had never heard. Uh, that I didn't remember from like other productions but I found when I was going through the score. It's a reprise of Maybe. So... She thinks they're all together and that she's gonna be adopted by Warbucks, right? Then the mudges come, you know, Lily and Rooster. Mudges. Fucking mudges. And and they're they're like, Yeah, you're our daughter, and we're gonna take you to New Jersey to live on a farm with chickens.
1: Just, just give us money.
0: Oh well actually they don't say just give us money. Mm-hmm. They say money, money, what money? We didn't hear about the money. Although that would be a good idea. Um, that sort of thing. <laughs> and so she thinks that then she has to leave with them, and everybody has this bad feeling about them, probably because they just sang a number saying they were going to keep her. People don't like being jerked around like that. So so she sings this number, which breaks my heart. Silly to cry, nothing to fear. Betcha New Jersey's as nice as right here. It never no, is. No, no. <laughs> Betcha my life is gonna be swell. Looking at them, it's easy to tell. And... I'll forget how nice he was to me and how I was almost his
1: baby. Maybe. Oh my god, you know that sung at Fuck What is that? Marie's Crisis every night, just like a gay man crying at, into his martini.
0: At, at, at like after hours. <laughs>
1: yes, like 1 a.m.
0: 1 a.m. Girl, they play until 4. Yeah. And then there's the final big number of the show, which is getting a new deal for Christmas. And we're supposed to feel like that everything's fixed. And that... Um, we're supposed to pretend that like Pearl Harbor is like, not just about to happen around the corner and that like, there's not going to be Trump and Scientology and Full House and all these things and you're supposed to just be optimistic all you want but you <laughs> know what Annie I have a little life lesson for you existence is suffering and you can sing as much as you want to but we really all should be dead and that would be preferable to this.
1: Oh man that's what Annie is about That's Annie too <laughs> I love that
0: show It's an Annie Two movie with Joan Collins
1: Annie in London. Annie in London? Annie Annie in in space!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds more like the ones they did with the comic book, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Annie's gonna get those rooskies. She's gonna go to the moon first, by gum. She's bringing Sandy! (laughs) (laughs) Can't you just see Sandy on the moon with one of those helmets?
1: Yeah, I want Sandy's spinoff.
0: The musical. (laughs) You know what I do when I want to really, really see if Kevin's paying attention? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I put on Beverly Hills Chihuahua 3. Oh, no. <laughs> and see how long it takes him to realize that that's what's on TV. How long does it take me? It always takes me a few minutes. <laughs> All right, so still don't have a tagline. Oh, yeah, fuck. Uh, well, maybe just naturally. your rant. It just come naturally. Oh, yeah. But what did you your just... Your
1: Annie th- rant about, <laughs> like...
0: Oh existence is suffering? Great. Existence, existence is, suffering. is
1: suffering. Bye.
0: Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube, and Instagram. And write to us at Sunday in the heights with Dolly at gmail.com.